Thank you so much, our choral team, and thank you to Nancy Abreu as well for being here this morning to sign for us. So grateful, Nancy, to have you here. Thank you for being here. Um, You may see up on the screen behind you one of the loves of my life. I'm a dog owner, and I don't actually know more. I used to be a dog owner, not a dog lover. We've talked about that before. I've dealt with some criticism on that. I'm going to keep moving forward in love for you all and in general love for the dog world and the canine world. Behind you, you see a border collie. Our family used to own a border collie uh, named Riley. And uh, Riley and I bonded early on in life when she peed on me as soon as the family came out and saw her. It was a great moment for us to, uh, to share together. Uh, that, that special time together. Ironically, all right, um, for those of you who don't know, by the way, I'm not an animal hater whatsoever. Enjoyed our animal, had fun with it, smiled at the dog, enjoyed playing with it, okay? But I just don't put clothes on my dog. That's where I draw the line, okay? Anyway, Riley, here's what we learned about Riley, um, that she is a pack animal, and I learned this as we owned the dog, and that the pack animal wants to know who is the leader of the pack. That's just what she wants to know. That's her default wiring. Who's in charge and who should I listen to? And she will frantically, as a border collie especially, frantically try to figure that out in all of what she does. And what I learned is that she actually wants to know what is right to do. Who do I listen to? Whose voice should I listen to? Well, Here's what I learned from people who know better than I do. In the dog world, if you are the tallest and have the deepest voice, you are the leader of the pack. In our family, I qualify. I become the leader of the pack in our little Riley's eyes, all right? And here's what happens, and here's what I learned, that my voice for Riley did more for her than anyone else in our family. My voice for Riley would bring comfort to her in the middle of a storm. Just even saying her voice and calling her to me when the thunder would clap and she would be scared of the unknown, just having her come to me with a voice call would bring comfort to her. It would also bring clarity for her when a guest, maybe even you, rolled up to our house and she comes bounding out and wanting to jump up on you one quick, Riley, will bring clarity on how we want you to function when guests arrive. And then she knows, nope. I'm not going to jump up there. My voice also brought uh, hope for Riley. When uh, I would come home and she would come running up to me with her tail wagging, I would look at her and I'd say, Frisbee? <gasps> you know, and, and all of a sudden she goes to get a Frisbee because she would love to play Frisbee. And my voice brought that to her. My voice also brought to her protection. Going on a walk with her, if she slips her collar and I call her back, she'll respond to me more quickly than anybody else. My voice to our dog provided all kinds of things, comfort, clarity, hope, and protection, because that's exactly what a pack animal needs. Someone is a leader of the pack who will look out for them. Now, here's what I think we all know. We're in the same boat. We have the same needs as people. We have the needs, don't we, to have someone's voice above us provide the very same things for us, to provide for us comfort, to provide for us clarity, to provide for us hope, to provide for us protection. We want that. We want to listen to voices of people who have authority and whom we have granted authority to lead us. We want that. Even though a government might be deeply corrupt, we still recognize that having some form of governance is better than none at all. 
having some form of order over us is better than complete chaos because we need a voice to try at least to bring clarity, protection, comfort, and hope to the people. This is why if you've ever been in school and your main teacher is out sick or on leave or whatever and a substitute teacher comes in, you know what is bound to happen. The class will test the limits of that teacher's authority and that teacher's voice in the classroom because they know they don't have the voice that your main teacher has. This is why if you're a part of a a team or the part of a musical group or part of whatever, that you need a coach or a leader who has a strong, caring, loving, and clear voice. You need that. We know that. This is why in times of crisis and difficulty, you will go to a friend Maybe a mom or a dad, maybe a pastor, maybe a boss, maybe a grandfather or a grandmother to hear their voice speak to you on the issue that you're dealing with. Because we need voices in our lives in order to shape the reality in which we live, because this is what we know, that the voices that we listen to shape our reality. The voices that we listen to shape our reality. This is why parents know this is true in the Bible. When the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character, parents will know, I don't want my kids to get caught up with the wrong crowd. Why? Because we don't want them to listen to the wrong voices. Parents will also know good company reinforces good character. That if you hang out with, quote-unquote, the right people or good people, whatever you want to call that, that can actually reinforce and support what is taught at home because the voices that we choose to listen to shape the reality in which we live. Now here's the neat thing about this is that everybody gets to choose which voice to listen to. Everybody gets to choose what voice am I going to listen to. And we all listen to a voice, whether that's our own inner voice or it's a voice of our parents, of our spouse, sibling, teacher, celebrity, whatever it is we all choose, we get the chance to choose to listen to what voices we want to listen to. At Christmas time, at Christmas time, here's what Christians believe, that God has spoken in perhaps the most profound way in the history of humanity, that God has spoken at Christmas time in such a powerful way And what he has to say and how he chooses to say it has shaped the entirety of human history and the entirety of how you and I will live out our entire lives on this planet. That God, at Christmas time, has spoken in a very, very profound way. This morning, I want to look with you at a passage of Scripture in which we will see God speaking to us. Now, If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there to the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's no problem. There should be a Bible in the pew near you. That Bible, by the way, is our gift to you. If you don't own one, we'd be glad to have you take that with you. The book of Hebrews might be easiest to find by looking it up in the table of contents at the beginning of your Bible, or just flip to the last third of your Bible, and you should find that book there, all right? We are, by the way, concluding a four-part series in which I have horrendously titled it Old and Slow. If you are new this morning to this, this is not personal at all. We're talking about two words that we rarely value in our culture, and I'm saying we should talk about that because there is value both in what is old and value in what can only be developed slowly in our lives. We've talked so far about anticipation patience, hope, 
And today we're going to see the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is why we talk old and slow. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. We're just going to look at the first four verses. And you should know, because you wouldn't know this if you're reading an English Bible, which most of you, I assume, are. In the original language, and the New Testament was written in Greek, uh, this is one sentence in Greek, okay? That this entire four-verse section, imagine trying to figure that out if you're an English teacher or a teacher at all. How do I begin to piece this together? One big sentence, and so it's one big idea that the author is trying to communicate in verses one to four. And you should also know that in every sentence, and let me just do a bit of grammar for you, you already know this, but there's a main controlling um, verb to every sentence that you utter. There's a, a verb in which you put all the, the words around that, that verb controls where the sentence goes, and you just know that life works that way. In this sentence, that verb is spoke. You'll see it at the beginning of verse 1, and it begins, I'm reading from the New International Version, uh, as I'm reading it here from the NIV, it says this, in the past, God spoke. That verb, spoke, is the main controlling verb for the entire sentence, for the whole thing. The author is trying to communicate, God has spoken. The main subject is God. God is the one doing the speaking. And so if, if it's true that an eternal, omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful God has spoken, what has he said? Good question. And here's what he says in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Okay, let's look back at verse 1 to begin, because the author of the Hebrews is writing this, and he immediately distinguishes in the Jewish mind that there are two periods of time in the universe. He says, in the past, the question is, what is in the past? When does the past stop? Is it just in the present? Or what is the dividing line between the past and the present? In the past, and in the Jewish mind, there's two periods of time, pre-Messiah, and post-Messiah. So the author is immediately hinting at the Messiah has come. And he's using that language. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. The author is alluding to the Old Testament where God has spoken through prophets, through dreams, through visions, through supernatural occurrences all trying to piece together a picture of the future, and all trying to piece together like a puzzle the picture of the Messiah. But it's almost as if the religious leaders of the day had the puzzle pieces there, but lost the lid to the puzzle. How frustrating would that be? I have all the pieces, but I don't see the big picture. 
oh, this piece goes here, that fits there, and you can jam that piece in over here, but it looks like it fits, but you won't know it's wrong until you get to the last piece, and you're like, what's wrong? And in a way, that's what the author is saying, that there was a big picture, and there were pieces laid on the table, but there was no lid to the box in the past. It wasn't clear what the big picture was. So in the past, this is how God spoke, through all these ways, and now verse 2 changes things. But, but, verse 2, but in these last days... He has spoken to us, and then check out the next phrase. This is how he's spoken to us, by his son. Now, here's the deal. If you are immune to Christmas feeling at all, if you you are coming to a Christmas season and you're like, I've been here before, Um, this happens all the time, and I'm just kind of ready to move on and get past this, I, I need to pause for a minute. What I'm speaking about this morning, and what I want to kind of dig out from us, is the, the feeling that somehow at Christmas time, this Jesus who was born is harmless. That this Jesus who was born um, at this season is for us nothing more than uh, a time and a place to enjoy um, some hot chocolate maybe some nice carols, some dimmer lights and candles and the smells of the season, and just kind of a soft, easy, family fun, reminiscing, traditional kind of event where everybody just feels a little nicer. Don't let me take that from you. Don't let me be a Grinch on that. However, Jesus when he came to the manger, did not come so that we could enjoy hot chocolate. Jesus didn't come so that we can just enjoy a Christmas carol. Jesus didn't come so that our Christmas season, that we could just kind of slow it down and that we could be on top and we could choose who we're going to listen to and that we could be in charge. Jesus came to kind of subvert that and change that and say, listen, I'm going to bring a voice, and my voice, if you'll listen, will bring comfort. My voice will bring clarity, it'll bring hope, and it'll bring protection. If you will listen to me and not the other way around. And so I want to kind of get under that at Christmas time and not take away the joy of family gatherings. Please hear me on that. But I want to pull out the feeling somehow this Jesus that we talk about as Christians is soft or weak or related to some kind of passive moment at Christmas time. That is not who the author paints Jesus to be. In fact, he uses seven different descriptions of Jesus. Each one could be almost its own sermon, but we're not going to do that. I'm going to run through them. You're going to see him right here in the text. He uses seven different ways to describe this Jesus who was born. And I want you to get your mind around the enormity of how God has spoken through this baby Jesus in the manger. Check it out here in verse 2. So he has spoken to us by his son. First of all, number one, whom he appointed heir of all things. That's his first descriptor. If you know anyone who is the heir to the throne, we use that terminology, you know that they have the right to all the riches of that family. And that's what the author is saying right here. This Jesus who was born is the rightful heir to the riches of God. He's the king in waiting. He's the heir of all authority, all power, 
all the rights of deity. The king is born. He goes on to say, through whom he made the universe. I don't know if you've thought about this before. Jesus has always existed. Okay? There was never a time when Jesus was not. Jesus existed before he took on flesh. Through Jesus, what Christians believe he's the second member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, through Jesus, all that has been made has been made. Jesus was present at creation. And through him, the very manger that this baby laid in was created. The very world in which we know was created through this baby. Make no mistake, Jesus is the eternal Son of God. At Christmas time, he takes on flesh. He takes on humanity. That's the beginning point, just the humanity. But Jesus' deity extends forever. Through whom he made the universe. Verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. That's the third descriptor. He's the radiance of God's glory. It's almost like a flashlight shining its light that, that out of the source of the light, the radiance of God shines forward. So we have a king in waiting through whom everything was made who radiates you. Look at him and you will see the source of his light. He's the radiance of God's glory. And he continues, and the exact representation of his being. This, is, this word is used only here in the New Testament, and it actually carries the idea in this context of the uh, imprint that was on the coins of the day. So the imprint of the emperor on the coin would, be used, would use the same word, the exact representation of his being. It's not meant to look like him. Like when you look at that coin, you shouldn't be like, is that the emperor or is that his brother? Like, is, I, don't know, I don't know if that's legitimate. Like, no, that's the emperor. That's the exact representation of his being. And this word is used to say, this is Jesus. Look at him, and you'll see God. I love that song, Mary, did you know, when you kissed the face of your baby, you kissed the face of God. True. True. He goes on to say that he was sustaining all things by his powerful word. The idea here is that Jesus carries all things forward in space and time history with his word. That everything moves forward because of Jesus. This is how, when Jesus was, in the, um, was walking on the water and ends up coming to the disciples in the boat, and there's a storm, and the disciples are scared, if you know that story at all. And Jesus is like, peace, be still. And the, way, the waves calmed down, the wind died down, and the disciples were like, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? This is who he is. He is the one, as described here, who sustains all things by his powerful word. He moves all things forward in space and time history through his word. Speak it, this is who Jesus is. And then, I love this next one, after... He had provided, and here's the sixth description, purification for sins. The Greek word here, I'm going to say a Greek word because it's important, I think, to understand it. Katharismos, katharismos, if you will, okay? Now, 
catharsis. Does that mean anything to you who are movie people or who are literature people? A catharsis in a movie, in a story, in a plot is that time in the movie, in that time in the book that you might read, where all of a sudden it's resolved. The bad guy is caught, the person is put behind bars, the tension is resolved, you have a cleansing feeling emotionally, ah, happy ending, catharsis. That's the literary term. It comes from this Greek word, katharismos, which is the word used here, which is how you should feel when you realize your sins are forgiven. Ah, happy ending. Wow. The bad guy was caught, and it was me. And Jesus forgave me for my sins. Wow. That brings a cleansing feeling. And this is what Jesus brings, the power to forgive your sins. And then he continues. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You ever come in from a long day of work or maybe working on a project outside in your garage or out in your home and you come in and you hear, why don't you sit down and take a load off. You finished, good work, well done. Enjoy it. This is the image here. The king is born through whom the entire world has been made. He provides forgiveness of sins. He is God. He is the exact representation of his being. He's the heir of all things. And when he's done, he's going to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. And as he sits there, majesty in heaven, verse 4, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Meaning there is no greater spiritual authority there's no other place to look. There's no other thing to try to find. There's no other authority to try to look to, to figure some things out. That Jesus is the one who has all authority that we look to at this Christmas time. Because it is through him that God Almighty has spoken. And as he has spoken, he said, this is my son. And this is why when Jesus speaks, I'm interested in what he has to say. When, when Jesus then talks, I'm listening, not just to a man, but to God. And this is why when Jesus makes a statement like he makes here in John chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and the life. This means something. Because who else will take this from him? Who else will challenge his authority? Who else will say, Jesus, no, wait. I don't know that you're all of these things. When Jesus speaks and he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, it means something. Because God has spoken. And what voices you and I choose to listen to shape the reality in which we live. See, Jesus is saying, the truth isn't just 
principles that you might hear in church or principles that you might read about. The truth is a person. It's me. I am the truth. If you want to know what truth is, look at me. Look to me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on to say, no man comes to the Father but by me. That Jesus, that little baby in the manger, is far from safe. He's far from harmless. He's far from calm and relaxed. This baby that was born is the ultimate expression of God speaking to us and saying, I know that you want a voice to shape the reality in which you live. I know you want a voice in which you can put yourself under. Here is the voice of my son. Here is one that you can listen to, one that you can respond to. Because this is true. The voices we listen to shape our reality. So at Christmas time, Christians believe that God has spoken to us through Jesus. Not a harmless baby in a manger. Not a hot chocolate season with a few apple spice lattes to boot. But that at Christmas time, while you enjoy all that other stuff, and please do, that we should ask the question, if God is speaking, have I listened? If God has spoken, am I listening? In other words, is my voice, is my interest on top of God's, or is it the other way around? Is my reality being shaped by my wisdom, by my interests, by my desires? Or am I still listening to the voice of God to provide what a great voice provides, which is comfort, clarity, hope, protection? We all need to listen to a good voice. We need it. And at Christmas time, here's the gift of Jesus. In the past, God has spoken. The puzzle pieces were laid out and the box lid went missing. At Christmas time, when God the Son took on flesh, He's spoken in His fullness through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the question becomes for you and for me at Christmas time Am I listening? Am I putting my Savior, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, above my own interests? Am I putting Jesus above my own interests? Am I giving to Him the authority that He deserves? Or maybe like my dog Riley, pardon me if you think I'm comparing you to a dog. I'm not. But are we just frantically running around when the UPS driver comes in and not knowing what to do? Are we just frantically running around when it thunders and not sure how to respond? Are we just hoping that we find food somewhere? But what if we were to listen to the voice of God? Even if we didn't like what he had to say. Even if I'd prefer to attack the UPS driver. But the voice of God says, let me tell you how you should react. 
at Christmas time, this is a gift of God to us all. That this baby was born, not that we could just enjoy hot chocolate and carols, don't get me wrong, love that stuff, but that your life and my life can come under the authority, can come under the leadership of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now you may be here this morning and you're tracking with me and you're going along with that and that works for you, that's great. You may be here and if you're like me, because I've had more time to process this, I will be honest with you and tell you this is a matter of ongoing reflection for me. In other words, there are many areas and seasons of my life where I really ask the question, am I really, I mean really, listening to the voice of God here or not? Or am I just running up to the UPS driver and doing my own thing? Or am I just really running off when I should be coming back? It is a question worth asking. I need to ask it on a regular basis. And at Christmas time, more than anything, coming back to the fact that God has spoken through the person of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to ask the question. God has spoken. Am I listening? Have I listened? If you're here this morning and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't even know that I've ever responded to Jesus Christ. Like, I've heard about that, but I don't know if that's really anything I've done. I will tell you, at Grace Point Church, we are here and our mission is to develop fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That's our interest. Our desire, and we're just going to be straight with this, is that we would hope that everybody in our community, and if you're here this morning, you're included in that, that everybody will come to the point of putting their faith in Jesus Christ. That, that's our hope. We believe in that, and we hope that for you. At the same time, we're not going to force that down your throat. We're going to love you no matter where you come from. And if you're sitting here saying, I don't really want that now, I will tell you, we will love you anyway, even if you're not there. Very clear that we, we really do. At the same time, it's Christmas time. What better time to respond to faith in Jesus Christ than now? What better time to say, you know what? I need a voice over me. My life isn't quite working the way I hoped it would. I need a voice over me. I need an authority over me. I am not smart enough to figure this baby out by myself. And this is the gift of Jesus at Christmas time. Through his son, God has spoken. And so why not now? Why not now respond to Jesus Christ by placing your faith and trust in him? I'd like to identify for you a couple people here who are gathered this morning, and they don't know I'm going to do this yet, but I will act now and apologize later. That's a general good rule of life to operate on. Um, we have an elder team all right, that functions here at Grace Point Church, provides the spiritual leadership of our church. Uh, I just want to identify our elders for you this morning so that you can see who these people are um, for a couple of reasons. One is they're very important um, men and their wives are very important supporters in the role of, of service here at GPC and what is happening in the spiritual life at GPC. But I also want you to know who is it that I can talk to about anything. Elders need to be part of that answer for you, and I hope they're part of that answer for you. So if you're an elder, would you mind standing now, and I'm just going to kind of point you out and give you your name. Um, okay, up here we got Jess Miller and Michelle. Do you mind just standing so they know who you are too? Um, and then Jim Mast is back there. There's Jim, and next to Jim is Rose. Over here is Amos, and next to Amos is Andrea. And then we have an elder uh, who will be an elder next week. All right, so we're going to kind of give him, give him some room there. Hanging out in the back in the sound booth is Greg. Uh, Peter Schein back there and his wife Tanya is right up here. Okay, thank you, guys. 
These are people that you can talk to. I'm not interested in just hearing something that makes sense. It is a waste of time to look in the mirror and say, man, I really need to do something with my hair. Not that I've ever had that experience. If you've had that experience, it's a waste of time to do that and be like, yeah, I should do something and walk away unchanged. And I'm just telling you, I believe the same thing about any message that you hear, any song that you sing, any moment that you have in your heart, any conviction that you have that says, I need to do something. Come on, I'm just telling you, don't walk away unchanged. Don't let the moment go by where you would have wished that you would have changed something, that you would have had the conversation and had the courage to do what you know you should have done. At Christmas time, the gift of God through Jesus Christ says, I'm here to give you a voice so that you can listen and follow. Not because I want to dominate your life, because I want to give you protection, care, hope, love, forgiveness, redemption, restoration. If you're ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ this morning, I'd love for you to talk to one of these folks who stood up, someone who brought you here, myself. If you also are here and you're a regular attender, listen, and you want to move somewhere in your life that you have been stuck on, you've been stuck on your marriage some way, you've been stuck with your kids, you've been stuck with an attitude problem, you've been stuck with bitterness, you've been stuck with money somewhere, you've been stuck in your faith somewhere, wherever it is, and you're saying, you know what, I need the reminder, I need someone to pray for me that my will will be given up again, that I will stop fighting and trust the voice of God. Don't look in the mirror and walk away unchanged. Have the conversation. Have the conversation with one of the elders, with myself, with someone who is a good friend of yours, but have the conversation. It's Christmas time. Let's make it count. Let's make it count. God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to be born so that through him, we could all hear his voice. Will you pray with me this morning? Our good God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that at this time of year, we can reflect on the great gift of this baby king being born in the manger. May we not make Christmas so tame that we lose the power of the future king that was born that day. May we not make it so tame that we think we're in charge of our Christmas celebrations. That we think we're the ones whose voices can carry. Remind us again and again when our wills fight to submit. Remind us of your great, compassionate voice that has spoken in the past, in various times, and in different ways, but now has spoken to us fully through your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us courage today to do what we know we should do. We thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ that we can have our hearts filled with joy, filled with life, that we can celebrate this great news to all the world that was born at this time of year. We thank you for the good gift of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we will pray.